and welcome to the Weather Insights Podcast. I'm meteorologist Scott Pitney, along with meteorologist Jeff Lindner. Jeff, happy new year, 2024. Welcome. Yeah, 2024. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good holiday? I did. I did. Did you do anything fun? Well, we spent a few days in New, in New Orleans uh, after Christmas before before the uh, bowl game. So a lot of uh, UT fans there. I'll bet. Yeah. I bet. Fans. Well, did, did they, I'm sure they outnumbered the uh, the Washington fans. So oh, absolutely. Quite well, a bit. As far yeah. as I noticed. Yeah, except uh, in the, on the scoreboard. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was close. It was close. It was close. They, they, they had their chance, and yeah. But uh, you going to watch the game tonight? Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people I've talked to, since the horns aren't in, they're kind of protesting. And, well, but, you, but they'll watch it. You, you know, know it's, it's, talking. it's interesting. It's almost like the same thing that happened during the uh, NC, the Final Four. Yeah, you know, I think what was it? U of H was in it, and then yeah, they got knocked out, and everything. But yeah, I don't know. I, I first I thought the the two games were really good. Yeah, they were excellent games, and um, of course we have the Texans. Yeah, that uh, must win. Must win for playoffs. They win yeah. the next five games. They win the Super Bowl. <laughs> now that's a, that's What's a sports stat for you. Baby steps. We got to get through. We got to get through the. <laughs> We gotta get through the game on. We gotta get through the Saturday game first, right? The Colts. Yeah. So what? What would weather insights be without starting off with sports? You know, it's kind of been a theme lately. Maybe, but, uh, maybe we should pivot over to sports. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. You think we'll get more guests? Maybe some more sponsors that way. It seems to be a big thing. There seems to be a lot of sports podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. There are a few of those, and yeah, and controversial listen. too. Very controversial. Oh, yeah. 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 Very emotional. Especially this week. Yeah. You don't hear people getting mad too many times on weather podcasts, but those, those sports got podcasts. Yeah. They, they throw some uh, vinegar sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, yeah. So today we're going to talk about weather uh, eventually. And uh, where would you like to start? We, you want to talk about uh, a year in review like so many so many people like to do this time of year. I mean, why not? We got to be like everybody else. I mean, we got to. <laughs> yeah, let's not get outside the lines too much on this show. Oh, look at that. It just so happens I have a link up. Oh, except our uh, <clears throat> viewers can't see it because uh, I haven't shared the screen yet. So let me do that. <clears throat> and uh, here we go. This is a low budget production. The, the part out about you messing around with the screen <laughs> it wasn't really that long just, just, <laughs> it was, just it was annoying yeah, i just edit the whole part of it out <laughs> yeah there you go okay let me get us out of the way so we can read the whole thing and uh yeah so we're talking mainly houston galveston since that's where we're based but um uh, we know we have listeners all over the world i'm sure so don't get offended if we're not talking about your area but you know this was the the drought in texas was definitely national news it was worth something to uh, talk about because it um boy there were just so many records and I, you posted something yesterday i think was it 406 total records wow. and compared to the next number was like two 280 or something or if i remember right <clears throat> records i mean that is just a ton of records yeah and i have some statistics and we're talking about the heat yeah this past summer and if you if, if you look back at 2023 you know what are the top whatever four or five weather events well the heat the heat the heat and the drought are probably definitely up there um but for high temperature records and this is just at college station houston intercontinental hobby 
in Palashas and Galveston. So those uh, four sites, uh, we set 153 high temperature records, 153. And we set at those same sites, 234 high temperature low records. Now that makes any sense. It's the highest low temperature right. ever recorded. And most of those were set at uh, Palashas and Hobby. So it was, <clears throat> it was not only hot during the afternoon, it was hot overnight. Right. And so, yeah, like and that, that's a criteria that National Weather Service uh, uses the, the high low temperature. So if the low that particular evening is 80 degrees, I think is the threshold for, for one of those advisories that they. Well, they that, that's for the uh, heat advisory, heat, yeah, advisory, the right. heat advisory. Right. But if the previous low was 79 on that date in the period of record and then today it's 80, that's a new right. high low record. Right. Because yeah. that's not confusing. <laughs> um, but it's also, and this is probably the biggest thing, because so many of us remember 2011 yeah. and how miserable 2011 was. Yeah. But, but 20, 2023 is now the hottest year on record for College Station, Intercontinental, Houston, and Palacios. So that beat 2011, which is just insane to me because... I don't know. I, you know, I guess heat's heat. And then Galveston came in at it at this, the 2023 was the third warmest year on record. So, you know, we, we beat all that <clears throat> highest maximum temperature, 112 at college station, 109 at both intercontinental and hobby. Now that's pretty impressive at hobby since a little bit closer down to the bay. Right. And even Galveston was 101 for their maximum high temperature in 2023. That doesn't happen often. No, it does not. Mm. And um, another record that we set just recently is we didn't have a freeze. Right. We have not had a freeze at Intercontinental um, in 2023. Got close, closing out the year. Yeah, we got 33 on December 11th. Yep. And on February the 18th, but no 32. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the first time this has happened since 1956. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to weather records, we've only had three other times, this would be the fourth, 2023, that we have not had a freeze in Houston. And so that's 1906, 1931, 1956, and then there's 2023. Yeah. And so on average, it's usually we get to freezing 11 days at, in, at Intercontinental. You know, I'm mm-hmm. saying Houston, there, there's different, you know, there's Tomball, there's Houston. There's hobby. These are official reporting sites. And so mm-hmm. uh, all this is at Intercontinental. And of course, that that site, I think, has been around since 1969, if I'm not mistaken. And so take but, it for what it's worth. Yeah, they, they used to take the official uh, measurements downtown and then they, yeah, they moved it out to Intercontinental. Was it 69? I think so. Might have been earlier a little bit. It was in the 60s. I know that. Yeah. OK. Um. Which, what, what do you think about that? I mean, that's just... What do I think about? Moving our official records that far north, that's almost like, to me, well, like a different climate. Yeah. Well, let's see. I think we were downtown, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so when you moved out to where Bush is in 1960, whatever, you know, you were out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and so this this gets into this whole debate about, are are you skewing the temperature climate record because as as urbanization occurs around your climate site 
you know, you get the urban heat island effect, you have more concrete and all that type of stuff, especially in exactly what we're talking about, the overnight low temperatures. And so, you know, yes, it's a, it's a factor, um, but I don't, I don't really know how you get away from it or stop it. I, I don't I mean, most of the people, the argument is most of the people are, of course, centered around the central part of the city. So that's, you know, there's a fair argument for making for the records uh, should be made there because that's where most of the people are. But then again, you, you've got, because you brought up the heat island effect too, you have to get your instruments high enough you know, where you're not getting uh, friction or blockage or anything like that. And then you, you get your instruments too high and then you're into another uh, zone where you're really not getting accurate what, you know, people are actually feeling on, on ground level. Yeah. So, and, and one of the important things to understand is we have sites like this at airports for a reason is because it's used for aviation. Yeah. So, you know, aircraft need to know the temperature, they need to know the wind direction, the wind speed and all that. And so you have an on-site weather station at a lot of airports. Mm -hmm. um, there's no airport downtown. And so besides a bunch of people live there, there's no actual reason, yeah, I guess, to have one yeah. in the urban core. And so that people, why, why do you have, they're at the airports because uh, the aviation folks use them heavily for all the stuff that goes into weather with aviation and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of a big, it's it's a pretty big deal. Now, could you add them elsewhere? Yes, but it probably gets into a funding and a maintenance yeah. uh, thing. Plus the airports, the spaces are wide open. You don't have anything interfering with the data. Um, you know, you just don't have the concrete like you have in, in uh, the uh, center of the city. So, yeah. Um, well, what's number two? I think it was the tornado, right? I yeah, the F3. That's what the weather, this is the weather service, the yeah, Houston Galveston uh, list know. that they came up with. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess um, the tornado back, this was the tornado back in January in the southeast part of the county. So it started just south of Houston, right along the Beltway, um, west of 45, and then mm -hmm. moved through Pasadena, uh, Pasadena Deer Park, and then kind of fizzled out. Um, on the northwest side of Baytown. And so, you know, it was a big tornado for us in, in the whole scheme of things. Um, a, a pretty long tracked tornado. We typically don't have tornadoes mm -hmm. down here that track that long. I think mm -hmm. it was 20 something, 21, 22 miles. Mm -hmm. um, it was rated an EF3 and I did participate in the damage survey on this with the weather service. And, mm -hmm. and most of the damage was low end. Most of it was EF0, EF1, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of tree damage, fence damage, shingle damage. Um, and then there were certain spots, mm -hmm. um, I guess isolated would be a good term, um, mm -hmm. where we had some of that EF2 and EF3 damage. And I think the EF3 damage was in one section right on the south side of the ship channel um, with some high tension uh, towers um, that were knocked down. And generally speaking, they can withstand winds of 130, 140. And so that that's kind of where that EF3 rating came from, but it was in one small portion. And so I don't want everybody to think they got hit with an EF3 tornado. Um, right. The majority of the damage uh, was, was rated well below that. And something like 700 homes received damage. And most of that was in LaPorte and Deer Park. Um, and uh, yeah, so we kind of forget that this time of year we can have severe weather along the Gulf coast. This is kind of a secondary severe weather peak for us down here. Mm -hmm. um, and we can, 
you know get tornadoes and severe weather and and that type of stuff but uh this was this was certainly a a bigger tornado than what we're used to and and i think the the bigger you know some of the big stuff that came out of it was the first tornado emergency mm-hmm. was ever for that was ever issued in this area mm-hmm. um was issued for this event and so yeah um and you know those are those products are reserved for the most dangerous of situations um and i know that when when the thinking was going on when this was happening a these storms moving fast b they were it was you know a typical january low clouds fog a lot of rain you could not see anything uh this was heavily wrapped in rain Mm -hmm. you could not see it coming Mm -hmm. um and so there, there was no visual um that there was actually a tornado on the ground this was all the tornado emergency was all issued based on what the radar was showing. <clears throat> and there was a significant debris signature uh, that the radar was showing as it kind of came across I-45 and then in toward the Pasadena area. And so that's when the tornado, the, the weather service decided on the tornado emergency. It was very fast. Uh, these were minutes from the time the tornado warning came out to the time they went to the emergency. Uh, we're talking minutes. Yeah. And so very, very fast decision-making having to happen um based on just the tools you have without seeing anything a lot of times for tornado emergency and you know other areas you see it mm-hmm. you see it on uh, there's storm chasers there's video the social media pictures mm-hmm. there's video there's cameras on highways you actually see there's a big large tornado going towards a populated area and that's when typically the tornado emergency is used you know there's no shortage of any of that here, except the fact that the thing was completely shrouded in rain uh, and you, you just didn't see it. You yeah. know, it was just a big old honking mess of rain and wind that came through that southeast part of the county. Yeah, I think the first tornado warnings uh, started going off around 11 o'clock that morning for the western side. Yep. And, and uh, <clears throat> I was in an area, I was at, in Katy at the time and I heard that tornado warning. So I was visually trying to you know verify and uh didn't see anything just like you pointed out then you know not too long after a few hours after that somebody posted a funnel cloud right over bucky's on i-10 you know and and and, uh i wasn't i was probably a mile and a half two miles from there couldn't see it yeah good point um you know listen listen to your weather service especially tornado emergencies like you pointed out that they're issued so infrequently um because that that's exactly i mean tornado debris when you when you see that on radar most people don't have access to that kind of stuff so when the weather service sees that that means a lot so uh, that's good that we have that tool number three um june 21st harris county severe thunderstorm this was um recorded a record wind that we had never seen even during ike uh, it broke that record of 82. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that is some pretty serious wind. Yep. I remember this pretty well. Um, and, uh, you know, we, it was kind of a question of if we were going to get storms that afternoon, it got very warm. Of course, mm-hmm. the whole summer was warm, but <laughs> it got very warm that afternoon. And these storms came kind of straight out of North Texas, right down 45. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular instance, it just, you know, the storm kind of collapsed as it came through the woodlands and then right into northern Harris County there, 1960, 45, Hardy Toll Road, Intercontinental Airport um, was just hammered. I mean, mm. just, you know, frequent 
a gust of 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. Um, <clears throat> you do that in an urban uh, area with with the pine trees that we have on the north side, and mm -hmm. you're going to have all kinds of problems. And, and that's exactly what we had. I think we had 300,000 without power. And in some cases, this was an extended power outage, uh, you know, four, three, four, five days without mm -hmm. power. And again, back again, the summer was miserably hot. Mm. So it was it was not nice um, with those power outages. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, record 97 miles an hour at the airport beating Ike. And uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I remember this radar image. That's a good image because, you know, bringing on the west side or northwest side of town, I was watching uh, because for a while it looked like everybody was going to get some. But then, like you pointed out, it just sort of broke off this chunk and and went kind of on the northeast side and kind of fizzled out. I mean, we still got heavy rain and wind, but nothing, nothing like they got up at the uh, airport. Yeah. Yeah. Spring, 80 miles an hour, Woodland, 70, Tomball, 62, even Cobb Field, 61. And then by the time it got to Hobby, 51. But uh, yeah, I, <clears throat> um, I wonder if that was the last cool day we had in the summer. <laughs> Well, you know, that was in the evening <laughs> yeah. after we had, I, man, I want to say we got up around a hundred that day. And, and a lot of times in the summertime, when you get these disturbances coming in from the North or Northeast, they come into that superheated air mass mm -hmm. late in the day, mm -hmm. you know, after five or six o'clock toward the evening. Mm -hmm. And they just feed on that heat and humidity that we're sitting out here baking in. And this is, and, and, and a lot of times it's wind. Mm -hmm. It's It's that you know, the, the, the cool air rushes out from these storms. It's 70 against a hundred degree temperatures ahead of it. So you have a 30 degree contrast and, and it just helps accelerate that wind uh, out of these, these storms. And so <clears throat> anytime in the summer, we have something coming from us from the North or Northeast or East mm -hmm. in the afternoon, evening, you got to watch out for big wind. Yeah. I remember watching this system early in the afternoon in Oklahoma, I think is where it originated. Um, maybe even further north. That's just when I started watching. And yeah, I just I started looking at models and everything. It just kept it coming down. Like, wow, that's uh, that's a long path for for a storm in the summer. You know, you usually expect something like that with a front or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was a uh, very memorable day. On to number four, the Huntsville Downburst, May 23rd. I don't remember this, so <laughs> unfortunately, two I, fatalities. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, isolated. Well, that's definitely um, kind of getting to the end of prime time severe weather season for us. But I mean, just looking just at see, the radar image, it looks like it was an isolated right cell. Um, again, probably collapsed. The the thunderstorm was collapsing and produces downburst. And yeah, it's not what I would call a classic supercell by any no, means, uh -huh. but you, you know it's got some pretty high tops there on the right side of that cell so yeah i don't remember too much about that either then another june event the brazos destructive thunderstorm again this is kind of a faint memory for me but uh do you remember this one no okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry brazos <laughs> we don't have much to go on but uh that's actually even more of an impressive radar well it looks like it was Pretty busy up northwest, and then it kind yeah. of skipped over the central part, 59 corridor, and then we had a lot of wind reports at the coast, which isn't surprising. Mm. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, 
Yeah. It must have been maybe I was asleep. Yeah. Well, anyway, those were the major events for 23. Of course, he being, the, you know, you, you brought up 2011. I, I think, and that one sticks out to me too, and, uh, in 1980. Um, but uh, I think 11, it's the Bastrop fires for me that just, and, and I know we had a lot of fires this year or in 23 uh, with, with this summer, but we didn't have anything like, like Bastrop. No, um, just a lot of, a lot of fires. And I know you follow that stuff pretty close, but. We um, did. We, we had fire this year, but it was not the gravity of the fires we had in 20 in, in 11. Mm -hmm. So, we, you know, it was more of these one, five, 10 acre grass brush fires that we could contain. Back in 11, it was 10,000 acres. Yeah. Um, fires that burned for weeks. And we had some of this in Louisiana this year. We had uh, multiple very large 50, 60,000 acre fires that got up into the pines uh, in Louisiana, especially Western Louisiana and, and caused all kinds of problems. And so, you know, I think we talked about this back in, in the fall. We were, we were kind of right there. We, you know, what we just didn't have the wind to when the, when the fire got going to get it really going. Mm -hmm. And so the suppression efforts, the firefighting efforts, um we're able to knock these things back pretty quick and keep them small and contained versus back in 11 when we had uh particularly for the weekend of the bastrop labor day weekend we had very strong wind <clears throat> because of a tropical system making landfall to our east and uh when you get fire and 40 mile an hour winds there's not a whole lot you can do right uh, especially when it's as dry as it is yeah um and we were just really fortunate we did not have the wind yeah and and the fires were were small um but if you want to you know know how it could have went you just crossed the border and you know they had big fires in western louisiana and even even up up until thanksgiving fires around the new orleans area as a matter of fact when i was there last week they had a fire mm. uh still very dry over in louisiana Mississippi. Mm. yeah i was you know um and and one thing about the fires over there is when the, you get that that fire in the marsh and it kind of burns underground ish kind of and burns in areas where uh you can't really get to it um and so you know they had a big fire there before thanksgiving i think it was that <clears throat> mixed with the smoke and the fog <clears throat> excuse me and uh caused the big accident around new orleans mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, we've obviously talked a lot about the drought around here, which um, is still there, but getting better. You know, we're already a couple inches of rain um, into the new year, so that, that all helps. But Louisiana, that's they've had a they've had their issues over there for sure. And then, you know, you're talking about New Orleans, boy, right around there, still bad, still D four. So, yeah. Um, well, hopefully Mother Nature will balance herself this year. So that's uh, that's what we can talk about now. We've been talking about the past. Let's let's talk about the future a little bit. And uh, Alex, we're we're still in a pretty healthy El Nino, I would say. Yeah, we're we're in it, <clears throat> but we're not. Up until this week, we haven't seen the response here in Texas that you would expect with an El Nino. Yeah, I think. Every month that uh, when I started looking at, at climate forecast, when El Nino was kicking in, uh, 
I think we've still been under our monthly rain totals for November and December. Like you said, we're just not in line with what we typically expect. I mean, it's changed. It's gotten better as far as, you know, we're getting some regular rain now. The fronts are moving through and all that, which you would expect this time of year anyway. But, yeah, not overly um, – we're not getting as much rain as as we would expect so but you look at these at these outlooks and um i don't know they've kind of backed off the rain a little bit i think for the south you still still see a lot in florida temperatures <clears throat> a little bit warm up north you'd expect that but uh pretty neutral conditions as far as precipitation for us it looks like over the over the next few months so um i now they're saying, you know, El Nino should weaken by maybe May or something like that. I, I feel like that's pretty quick. That's a pretty quick El Nino cycle. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we've kind of in the last several years, we've been in this multi-year El Nino, La Nina pattern. <clears throat> and so, um, but yeah, it can, I mean, all the models show it weakening, at least going to neutral by the start of summer. So we'll see, you know, this is sort of that time of year where these models struggle a little bit <clears throat> with the sea surfaces in the pacific so we'll see i i don't i don't know quite yet if 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 the uh pattern is is gonna eventually connect here in texas you know um we we kind of had this parade of storms this week that's brought us what you would expect in el nino every couple of right. days you get you get rain and and you know we've we've gotten decent rain last week yeah um but if you look forward it doesn't really continue the pattern breaks down again um the storm the the progressive southern stream kind of goes away a little bit um which potentially opens the door from for some colder which we haven't seen any of that either this year no i mean you know it's been cool but it nothing like what it could be yeah again we haven't hit freezing just a few degrees under normal but not not anything major no it's so we'll we'll see um if i had to hedge i would i would say we'll probably end up being near normal on the precipitation maybe maybe just a little bit above here in southeast texas and uh probably near normal on the temperatures we've been pretty normal since i don't know november december yeah on the temperature side of things and so yeah and then we'll just have to see we'll just have to see what what we get into later in the spring and the summer, because that's going to obviously play a big role in the 2024 hurricane season. <clears throat> and just so everybody knows out there, it is January <laughs> yeah. and all these people who are posting all this stuff about how horrible the hurricane season is going to be this year is January. We still have six months. Yeah. Um, and a lot can change in six months. Now, yes, you can look at all kinds of stuff right now and it all looks horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, it all looks like an active season in the Atlantic basin. It doesn't mean Houston's going to get hit. I believe there was an article saying Houston's going to have one of the worst hurricane season ever or something along those lines. Oh, they specifically <clears> called <throat> out two areas in the United States. One was the Texas coastline and, and Florida, which, you know, that's a given, but well, uh, the Texas coastline doesn't equate to Houston. Right. And that, that was my argument with the article is a hurricane could go into Brownsville and it's sunny here. So, right. Some of these headlines are getting out there. Um, yeah. And again, it's January. El, El Nino, La Nina will play a big part in the season. What are the sea surface temperatures going to be looking like in the Atlantic? 
yeah, they're warm now, um, but things can change. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I guess we'll we'll cover this topic. I don't know again. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe yeah. in next month, February. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to get some hurricane people on here. Deal with the hype machine. <laughs> well, I went. I only went back a couple of years. Um, didn't look at it too hard, but some of the predicted numbers for this year, and most of it was just based on. Uh, the shift in, in to a La Nina, but, uh, but I, you know, whatever the reason is, I went back and looked a couple, you know, the last couple of years and, and what they predicted versus the actual numbers was not real much, very much in alignment. But as I always like to say, you know, what, what does it mean? I mean, does it mean we prepare any different? No. Preparation is, is still the same whether we're going to have a busy year or not. Well, I don't think a whole lot of us are really thinking about hurricane season in January yeah. to begin with. Um, yeah. And if you're going to produce a forecast in January, I can understand why your verification is not very good. Yeah. Right. So. Right. That, and that's why I looked. I'm like, well, okay, there it is. Let's go see how, how, uh, how it looked the last couple of years. And uh, I didn't, didn't see a lot, but like you said, it's six months out. So we will have to see. Um, all right. Speaking of social media, mm. the two words, I'm sure you've heard a lot too, polar vortex. It's going to kill us all. <laughs> it sounds so ominous. Does it? Well, just vortex. It's a Who wants to get caught in a vortex? I don't. And certainly don't want sand and his reindeer to get caught in a polar vortex. That could be, you know, a problem. So, uh, yeah, um, polar vortex. I got something on this. Just uh, maybe start off with the basics on what it is. Well, it's it's nothing new, right? As most as most weather is not. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, new boy, name, boy, same weather. Boy, you would think it. You would think it is. <laughs> yeah. Between the polar vortex and the sudden stratospheric warming event, SSWE. Yeah. Because <clears throat> that's the other. That's the other big words being thrown around. Mm. Um. And you know the the polar vortex the the it's just it's it's a region up around the arctic circle that keeps the cold air kind of locked up in that part of the world and so it's a wind flow and it, it has some um emphasis on the jet stream configuration and so when the polar vortex is strong like it has been in november and december um, it creates a jet stream that tends to move west to east across the nation. And so you get flooded here in the, in the lower 48 with west to east flow of Pacific air. Mm -hmm. So it's mild. This, this winter has been mild. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go, you know, here's been kind of normal. If you go up north to Chicago or the Dakotas or somewhere like that where they can, you know, be negative 50. I mean, it's been mild winter. It's been a way above average. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so what can happen is when that polar vortex breaks down. <clears throat> I got that old cough that everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, get it out. So when that, <laughs> aren't we all trying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when that polar vortex breaks down or slows down or, or potentially splits, it can cause the jet stream that is what we call zonal west to east to become more amplified or north to south. Mm -hmm. And when you have that north to south configuration, that jet stream can go up north of Alaska into the Arctic Circle, possibly even over into northern Siberia, northern mm -hmm. Russia. 
and bring that cold air across the poles and potentially into the into the United States. Now, every time the polar vortex slows down or splits, it doesn't mean the U.S. is going to have an Arctic outbreak. It's not going to be February 21. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this this whole emphasis on the polar vortex is a little misleading, mm -hmm. uh, as most things are in weather. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, the, and the other thing is, you know, we're talking about something like you would, I, I, I liken January, late December through early February, like August and September in the hurricane season. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be, it's always coming, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, and it's always 14 or 20 days away Yeah, and it's coming. It's going to be the worst hurricane. It's always out there in the models. And we've seen the same thing here recently <clears throat> with some of the deterministic model output, not the ensemble approach, but the deterministic, um, showing some cold Arctic air coming into the nation. And, you know, it's, it's kind of been a back and forth. Does it come down the plains or does it go more towards the East Coast? And we get kind of a glancing blow in Texas or does it even happen? Right. Um, and what was posted around the Christmas, New Year's time was the 672-hour yeah. uh cfs model which yeah. is more of a climate model yeah that looks way way out to the future and so it's it's not necessarily to be used for this it's, it's just to give you an idea of the trend if you will mm -hmm. going way out now why the heck we're posting 672 hour guidance i have no idea yeah why we're even you know why that's even available to people i don't know um because really anything past five to six days is kind of questionable yeah so the takeaway from all this is uh we probably will get colder no surprise it's january yeah. um good call we could <laughs> we could have you know some some cold air come down <clears throat> is it is it anything that's significant we'll just have to wait and see yeah and it could be as early as you know the 13th 14th 15th um you know these big storm systems that are going up from the southern plains up the Appalachians, eventually, if that cold air gets in the right spot, it'll, it'll pull some of that down the plains. But again, lows in the 30s here, lows in the upper 20s is not a big deal. Yeah, that's not a polar vortex, winter freeze, whatever. Now, if we start talking about below 25 into the teens. Okay, then we can then we then we have something to talk about. But you know, 30 degrees is not a big deal for us here. Right. <clears throat> Are you a gardener by any chance? Uh, I used to dabble. Yeah. I don't have time now. Well, I think that's one of the big questions for our area because, as you know, we can be in the 70s one day and then in the 30s and 40s the next. And so people are, when should I plant my garden? When's it safe? When's it not going to freeze? You know what the rule of thumb is? When the pecan trees butt out and when the mesquites butt out. Oh, well, there you go. So get a pecan tree first for all you gardeners out there <laughs> or and find a pecan tree. we don't have a lot of mesquites in this area but we do have no. we do have a fair amount of pecan trees and if yeah. you look they tend to be the last tree that leaves out that comes out of dormancy and the rule of thumb has always been in south texas when the mesquites when the mesquites leaf out you're good to plant and around here when the pecans leaf out you're good to plant um and I've learned a lot <clears throat> talking with farmers down the coastal bend, South Texas and those areas. And it's not necessarily you get down to 30 or 31 or 32. It's if you get below that and you stay there for a period of time, that's when it can really cause damage. Now, if you're doing tomatoes or something like that, you're, you're going to have an issue. Mm. But some of these other crops, 
um, and you know, what farmers plant, what you plant in your backyard, two different things. Um, but I've, I've come to realize it's not the light one or two hour freeze. It's the all night freeze. That's more damaging to that type of stuff. And unfortunately around here, you know, we can, we can freeze into March. Um, yeah. even, even sometimes until into early April, if, if you just get a clear, night with low dry, with low dew points of dry air i mean we can radiate out and we can and we can get down that cold so yeah yeah we're talking don't 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 do it don't plant yet yeah we should still be in the cool season crop broccoli yeah. and cabbage and yeah i like <clears throat> what you said on one of your posts too when when that night it got down to 33 34 or whatever you said you know if you have tropical plants in nature the ones that are highly sensitive first of all find out if your plant or whatever you're planting is highly sensitive to freezing I can't imagine most of us have anything after the last two winters left. No. Unless we, unless you replanted it, because most tropicals did not survive 21. And we, they were hit, if they did, they were hit again last December, 22. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what most of us have left, unless you've gone and replanted everything, is relatively hardy or can sustain the light freezes around here. Now, if you went out and put hibiscus or any of that stuff back in yeah it could it can get damaged when you get down around 30 31 32 yeah so there you go everybody polar vortex don't, <clears throat> don't be afraid of it don't read into the hype yeah use uh i don't know use trusted sources well listen to our podcast depends what the trusted sources is nowadays because they're becoming never mind. yeah <laughs> so as i said earlier all we can do is prepare the National Weather Service has this link, um, <clears throat> preparing for cold weather. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, the, the four P's there, p uh, people, pets, pipes, plants, winterizing your home. You know, stuff you can do, you should do anyway. And that same for hurricane season too. Stuff you can do way in advance. And a lot of these are just, a lot of these are just good tips anyway. I mean, just general home maintenance stuff. Um, and having supplies and things like that, you know. Do it, do it before the news gets out and the hype gets out and everybody goes running to the store and you're fighting lines and all that. You know, a lot of the stuff you can get now and just put it in a box, mark it, put it somewhere, your garage, your attic, indoors, whatever, wherever it needs to go. I mean, I think most of us have, we're probably more familiar right now with winterization after the last couple of years than hurricane preparation around here because we haven't had a hurricane forever. But you know what to do. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, you know what to do. It's funny that what the weather service has this year: caulk your windows, insulate your attic. I don't know anybody who's going to go out and do that uh, right now, unless you're planning to do it anyways. No, but yeah, just you know, outside pipes. You know, the biggest thing around here is the sprinklers, the backflow, the backflow preventers. You know, again, most of them have already broke. Yeah, in the past few winters, so you've had them replaced. They can break again just because they're new doesn't mean anything. Yep. If they freeze, they'll break, and so make sure those things are drained, cut off, and drained, um, and wrapped. I even I cut mine off, I drain it, and I wrap it, <clears throat> and I've never had an issue. Now I know other people who have, but uh, th those are probably the biggest things. Um, that and and the the vegetation, mm -hmm. um, and pets. I mean, but, you know, bring your pets inside or at least give them absolutely uh, a place to stay warm. Livestock is another thing, especially if we get really cold. You know, livestock can 
can freeze to death. Right. Um, and, and one of the biggest things with livestock is actually uh, they, they dehydrate and die because their water sources freeze over. Mm-hmm. So like the, the stock ponds, the tanks, the water troughs, well, when it gets super cold, that all becomes ice, freeze over. That's what we saw in 21. Mm-hmm. All froze over. They couldn't, they, there was nowhere for them to get water. Yeah. Um, so they can die of dehydration on top of the cold. <clears throat> and so. And some of those tanks are pretty shallow based on the droughts. You know, they haven't filled up all the way. So that means they're going to freeze faster and uh, stay frozen longer too. And going back to the pipe thing, uh, Jeff was talking about plenty of YouTube videos in case you don't know how to do all that stuff, draining your pipes and wrapping them and all that. Lots of YouTube videos, a good resource I found. That's what I use for, for taking care of mine. But um, yeah, just preparation. That's all you can do. Don't preparation, good preparation. Don't panic, don't panic. It's gonna be okay. Go through this every year. It usually is. Yeah. Um, Anything else on your mind, sir? <laughs> I know there's always a lot on your mind. <laughs> I mean, stuff we can actually talk about. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was something I was going to say, and I forgot what it was. But it, 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 it had to do something with this. It'll come to me. But With yeah. the winterizing? Yeah, it was something with the winter. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll come after we're, you know, yeah, off. off, off yeah. <laughs> I um, guess it wasn't that important. No, but uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, We'll keep searching for guests that uh, have good information, relevant information they, they can bring to the table, or just anybody. <laughs> some, some in between. <laughs> just anyone. <laughs> no. we'll, uh, we'll be uh, working on our guest list for 24. We're excited about our podcast coming up in 24 and um, maybe I'll be done coughing by then keeping y'all informed. Yeah. My turn's next. I, you know, knock on wood. I've been real lucky. It's uh, the sickness has been all around me, but you know, I've stayed ahead of it so far, so far so good. But um, yeah. So winterize your homes, um, be prepared. Don't be scared and <laughs> be prepared. Don't be scared. How about that? Well, that's a new, that's a, that's a new slogan. I haven't heard you that like one. that. Did you come up with that right I now? Just now. Should I copyright that? Or that should be the title of the show. Be prepared. Don't be scared. All right. So it, so it is. Be prepared. Don't be scared. Um, the best thing that we talked about. Well, I saved it for the last. <clears throat> did you think of, did you remember what you wanted? No. Okay. It's gone. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Have a good one.